I wonder when you feel most at peace, when you feel most relaxed and chilled. Maybe some of you have felt that recently. You've been on holidays, you've been able to get away from it all, you've been in a wonderful um, nature, a wonderful view, beautiful sunsets, sat by the pool, maybe reading a book, able to switch off. Um, where is it that you feel most at peace? Um, Oppositely, where do you feel most anxious? What are the times that makes you feel most um, worried or um, full of cares? Perhaps it's uh, as a parent in the next few weeks, saying, how do I get my kids ready for school? Make sure they've got all the right clothes and books and they're ready um, in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe it's actually on the school run. You know, we uh, sometimes in our household talk about Monday morning-itis, where Mondays can just feel like a stress for all of us, just getting back into the uh, routine again of... Um, getting back into school and work. Maybe for you, um, it's other situations. You at work and you're in the middle of a hostile meeting where everyone's at each other's throats and people are uh, tearing your work apart or tearing each other apart. And that can be when you feel uh, most anxious. Maybe it's deadlines or pressure or family pressure. Maybe there's health issues in your family and that's the thing that causes you most anxiety. Probably for all of us, uh, whether we're those who are prone to feel anxious more often or not, the last 18 months has been for us a time where we felt more anxious than usual. There's been the uncertainty uh, of the last 18 months where no one's quite sure what will happen, when it will happen, what we're allowed to do, when we're allowed to do it. And there's been a lot of change with all of that as well. Some people feel anxious simply when uh, things are changing all the time. Um, we've been told we can and can't do things, and then we can do things, but not in certain ways. Even still, as we worship, um, we need to continue masking and being a bit distant, distanced from each other. Um, now, it might well be that as uh, things begin to calm down, as rates begin to um, reduce, maybe for some of us, the idea of getting back to normal begins uh, for us to feel that actually our anxieties and our worries are falling away. But for others, um, that idea of getting back into the swing of things, just as we were talking about getting back into the swing of uh, work, maybe beginning to get back into normal, maybe the idea of commuting to work again on a crowded train. Those are things that will bring us anxiety, worries. You know, we might even worry about the same sort of things, but for very, very different reasons, depending on our personalities. Some of us get worried about things in the past. Um, so we worry about something that's happening right now, but because of something that happened in the past. I had a friend who um, always worried about his financial situation, not because his finances were particularly bad, but because he was brought up in a family where his uh, dad's business went bust a couple of times, he went bankrupt, and so whenever there were questions around finance, he would get anxious where maybe other people wouldn't. It was a situation in the past that caused an anxiety in the present. For others of us, we feel simply anxious about what we've got to face today. The um, cares and the concerns, um, all the things that are going on. Uh, sometimes our lives can just feel overwhelming, can't they? With the different things that we're trying to juggle, the different plates we're trying to uh, spin. Um, it can just feel that whatever the situation is now can feel overwhelming. Um, I, I know chatting to a number of people, and I felt this as well, that the there have been times over the last 18 months where I've woken up and I just felt exhausted because it, it just feels tiring, doesn't it? Being in this constantly changing, concerning world. And of course, the reason everything is changing is um, a health uh, crisis and um, risks to public health. It can just feel like, oh, I'm feeling drained because of the worries of today. 
Others, just because of the way they're wired, their personalities, they tend to be very future-looking. What are the opportunities in the future? What's happening in the next six months in the year? But also, those people can find themselves worrying about the future. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? Uh, what happens if this situation works out that way or this way? Um, what could be the crises around the corner? So today's worries don't worry you too much, but tomorrow's worries do worry you. Are you a past warrior, a present warrior, or a future warrior? Or are you just to keep it all very interesting, all three? Just all three at the same time. I think my own personality, I'm sort of wired in the future thinking kind of way. I tend to not so much worry about what's happened, um, what's coming up, I can sort of feel, okay, let's just get on with it. But it's about what might happen, what, what if, what's going to happen in the future that can cause me to feel an an anxious. The problem with anxiety is it can do two things to us. It can make us freeze up thinking, I just don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. And we can feel uh, the phrase paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by worries, not really sure um, the right way ahead. And just as we were talking about this morning, uh, we might think that a little bit about not quite sure what the right thing to say yes to is. I'm not quite sure what the right thing to say no is, no to is. Um, I'd like to get back into a normality, but I'm just, I, I've sort of been in the last 18 months, not really being able to make any decisions, and it's caused us to sort of freeze up. The other possibility is that we can feel like we just, we don't freeze, we want to fly away. Um, the freeze or flight response, to fly away, uh, to do something different. Maybe if I had just moved house, changed jobs, changed schools, um, did something completely different, that's going to be the thing that will uh, mean I can leave my anxiety behind. However you're feeling right at the moment, we are going to live in a sea of concerns and cares this side of heaven. Jesus was very clear. He said, do not worry about tomorrow. But he didn't say that because he said, there are no worries tomorrow. And he didn't say that because there are no worries today. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to have worries of its own. Concern yourself with the worries of today. So Jesus was very honest. There'll be worries tomorrow and there'll be worries today. That's the life in this fallen, broken world. Um, this side of heaven, there will be worries in this life. And yet in the sea of anxiety that we might be floating on at the moment comes these promises of peace. Jesus, who said there'll be worries today and there'll be worries tomorrow, also said, my peace I leave with you. And it's not a peace that the world gives. It's a peace beyond understanding. I'm going to give my peace that is a peace that comes within and on top of the problems of the world, not taking them away, but just enabling you to withstand. Paul, in our passage today, talks about the peace that passes all understanding. And Paul wrote this letter in prison. I don't know whether, as you were thinking of the places you feel most at peace and the places you feel most anxious, where prison would fall for you. Actually, you know, maybe for Paul, it was like, I just can't do anything now. I'm chained up and I have to really think about what matters. I have to think about uh, my life that's bigger than simply just what I can do, my activity. But probably for most of us, we wouldn't think, ah, oh, prison, great, I don't have to do anything any longer. Chains are a bit tight, could loosen them, but you know, for most of us, that would be a, a hugely worrying and concerning and anxious-making situation. Um, he was in prison, he was going to be put on trial, he could be executed. And yet in the midst of prison, he said, uh, let's seek the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus in the garden, as he faced the cross, uh, talked about being overwhelmed unto the point of death. 
And yet he could also uh, find the peace that enabled him to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, the peace that Christ brings is not a peace that pretends everything's okay or a peace that can only be found when we're on our summer holidays at our favorite spot by the pool with our best book. But it's a peace that can give strength in the prison and strength in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, But it's a peace that we need to help each other find as a community. Uh, We will at different times face different levels of anxiety. We'll we'll face different challenges. And so we need to be a community of prayer that helps each other find peace. You see, peace comes from being in the presence of God. Knowing God is with us. God has been with us. God will be with us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that peace comes from a reassurance that whatever situations I face, and they're real and they're challenging, and they might even be life-threatening, my life is safe in God's hands. And I'm in the presence of God who can help me remember that and realize that. Um, I love flying, but I hate taking off. I don't like landing too much either as well. Um, It's the bit in the middle that I like doing, being above the clouds, and you can look down. And the thing is, the thing I know about 35,000 feet is it's always sunny. It's always beautifully sunny at 35,000 feet. Um, but as we pray, our prayers are like the takeoff in a plane. We have to bump through the clouds, we have to bump through the rain and the wind, and we have to break through the problems that we face. It's not that the clouds disappear, but in prayer, in the presence of God, we can lift ourselves above the clouds and begin to see things from his perspective, and we begin to find the presence of God that can give us his peace. And so that's why Paul encourages God's people here in Philippi. He says, um, be a people of prayer. Be a people of prayer, and then you'll be able to find the peace that passes all understanding. It's a, it's a community goal. It's not something we can do on our own. Um, elsewhere in 2 Chronicles, um, to God's people, the people of Israel. Uh, famous passage on prayer, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. God says, if my people, as in everyone, humbles themselves and turns their face and uh, repents of their wicked ways, I will turn my face to them and I will come and I will heal their land. So it's an encouragement to be a people, plural, of prayer, not just to be a person of prayer. How can we grow in prayer? And that's why we need one another. We'll learn from each other in prayer. Just before I got ordained um, as a minister 21 years ago, we went on a pre-ordination retreat um, at a convent. And uh, that meant we had time, quiet, space to pray. But also we got a chance to have an hour with a nun. It's always good to have an hour with a nun. Those are the sort of people who can really teach you about prayer. And so I thought, this is great. I get a chance to chat to this lady who's given her life, devoted her life to a pattern of prayer, morning, noon, and evening, she would pray uh, in the community for an hour. And I thought, this is the woman who's going to help me find the secret. Um, as I started ministry, I found prayer very difficult as an activist, as an extrovert. I love doing things, uh, being with people, um, chatting, you know, noise, surrounded by uh, stuff going on. To, to find the quiet spots and the times on my own, I found very difficult. Um, and so I thought, this, this nun's going to help me find the secret. And so, so I, in my hour with the nun, I said, uh, could you teach me the secret of becoming a person of prayer? Because I find it really difficult. And she said, it is difficult, isn't it? 
we all find it difficult. And I, I found that both encouraging and also a little bit disappointing. I thought, I thought you were going to say, it is actually easy and here's the secret. But she said, no, it's difficult. We all struggle. And she said this, I've never forgotten this. We're all learners in prayer. We're all learners in prayer. We all have to learn from one another about prayer, the things that help us pray. And I think that's why we need each other, why we need to become a community of prayer, because then we can be people who, when we don't know what to pray, when the fears and the anxiety is overwhelming, someone can stand alongside us and say, let me pray for you. Or when we're going through a journey of a difficult path that we face, we can maybe uh, ask a, a group of people, could you pray with us? Could you journey with us as we pray? as we go through this situation. We've got some friends trying to discern a difficult life situation. They've just got a few of their friends together in a prayer app and say, could you pray for us as we journey through this big decision that we've got? We can pray for each other, with each other. And I think now that we're beginning to be able to do just a little bit more, we need to get back into the habit of both asking people to pray and offering to pray. Probably for the last few months, it's been one of those things where we've all thought, we're not quite sure what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do, whether I'm even allowed to uh, stand next to someone and pray. But let's get back into the habit of being a people of prayer, being a community of prayer. I think we all struggle with prayer because um, if you're an introvert, if you like getting that time on your own, uh, that actually you would love the space to just reflect and be in God's presence, to read and to um, press into uh, press into times of prayer. It's a difficult world, isn't it, to find those times of quiet. We're a busy world. We're an active world. There's so much noise going on, so many distractions. It's hard if you're an introvert to want to have that time to find the quiet to pray. And if you're an extrovert like me, as I've said, it can be hard to want to find the time to sit quietly in solitude, not rushing off to the next thing, to tune out the noise of the world and to tune in to God. And so wherever we're at, it can be a challenge. Let's help people, let's help each other uh, become a people of prayer, whether that's in twos, prayer triplets, prayer squares, just one other person you ask for prayer. I've got a minister friend I asked to for him to pray for me when I'm going through difficult times in your pastorates. And as a church, as I said, on the 14th of September, we're going to gather together as a church in this town with other churches in this town to pray for our town, becoming a people of prayer. And if I can give just two uh, simple tips of how Paul encourages us to be a people of prayer, I think this can be something that helps us all and, and helps us all help each other be a people of prayer. Firstly, Let's be a people of grateful prayer. People who know how to give thanks to God. Uh, as someone once put it, to how we can cultivate this attitude of gratitude in prayer. Um, there's lots of ways to be a people of gratitude in prayer. I'm not just talking about uh, this morning it was beautifully and, beautiful and sunny and say thank you God that it's sunny, we like sun. Or if it's rainy, uh, okay, uh, thank you God that it's raining, the garden doesn't need the rain. You know, cover your bases but actually are people who are grateful and thankful for God. Paul says this repeatedly in the book of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. He says it at the beginning of chapter three, verse one, rejoice in the Lord. He says it again in this passage, rejoice in the Lord always. And then just uh, for good measure, he repeats it again. I'll say it again, rejoice. He wants to get over to the people in Philippi, be a people who rejoice in who God is. And that has many different elements, but it's just simply saying thank you to God for God, for who God is, the unchanging nature and character of God, who he is, his power, his creation, that he's a providing God, that he's a present God, 
that he's a loving God. Uh, all the, the names we can think of of God and the ways we can thank God for being who he is, that's rejoicing in the Lord. So rejoicing for, for who God is, also rejoicing for what God has done in history, what God has done in the past, whether that's in the biblical past as he uh, rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt, whether he brought the nations of Israel back from exile uh, from Babylon, whether it's sending his son into the world, Jesus coming to show us the way to live, thanking God for Jesus' life, death and powerful resurrection, thanking God for what he's done before us and then what he's done for us in our lives, how God has blessed our lives in the past. All of these things remind us of who God is yesterday, today and forever and what God has done. And that's secure, that's happened, that's never changing. And then we can move on to thanking God for what is happening right now. The good things he's doing in our midst and maybe even the good things he's doing in the midst of our troubles. Um, I remember some years ago, um, Shal and I were going through a, a tough time. We'd gone through a number of bereavements in quite a short space of time. And we were feeling uh, really exhausted and a bit sort of low in our um, faith, hope and love. And I remember I was preaching, I don't know whether it was this passage, but I was preaching on being a thankful people. It was a really hard sermon to preach. How can you preach about being thankful when you're feeling not very thankful? And, and I remember saying in that sermon, um, you know, sometimes you feel like you're hanging on to your faith and your life by your fingertips. And then it's okay to simply say, thank you God for my fingertips. And this lady came up at the end of the sermon and she said, that is what I needed to hear. She'd been going through a time of depression for a number of months. She'd been feeling suicidal. She'd come into church, not regular church, go. she'd come into church and that was what spoke to her. The message that it was okay to feel like you were at the edge, but to thank God that he was with you on the edge. Thank God that he's with you uh, as you hold on with your fingertips. That was the moment that God's light shone on her life. She went on to do an alpha course, recommitted her life to Christ, got baptized, went back to uh, the church that was nearer where she lived and started an alpha course in another church. It was a message of thankfulness within the challenges that caused her to realize that God was still with her. Um, so rejoicing in God, being a grateful people, um, cultivating this attitude of gratitude that thanks God for who he is, what he's done and what he's doing right now. Um, the second tip, not just to be a grateful people, but to be an honest people in prayer. Uh, what Paul talks about is presenting our requests to God. Um, and you know, that's what we do as children, don't we? We, we present our requests to our parents. We ask for things uh, when we're younger. We write birthday lists, Christmas lists. Um, in our household, the Christmas lists are already being written. Um, presenting them, saying, this is what I'd like at uh, my next birthday or my next Christmas. You know, and that's okay to God to say, actually, this is what I'd love to happen. This is what I'd like. Um, it's okay to be people of simple prayer. I think the, simple prayer, the simplest prayers are thank you, sorry, please. And that's the baseline, the foundation line for every prayer, or every life of prayer. Thank you, sorry, and please. But you know, when we get above the clouds at 35,000 feet, when we begin to experience the presence of God, when we cultivate this attitude of gratitude that helps us like the um, fuel in the plane getting it above the clouds helps us begin to see things from God's perspective. Then our requests become less of a list and more, Lord, this is what I want for this reason because this is who you've made me. This is the calling you've placed on my life. 
We don't stop requesting. Paul requested. He was always asking his churches to pray for certain things. Jesus requested his disciples to pray and requested them to pray for certain things. It's okay to ask for certain things in prayer, to present our requests to God. But as we do so with thanksgiving, it becomes a rich conversation with God where we learn to listen, to speak, and be honest. I wonder how you feel about being honest in prayer. It can be difficult. I wonder, I wonder what you think about these prayers. I'm just going to throw out these uh, prayers that uh, people have prayed in the past. How you'd feel if these were being prayed in your prayer triplet or in your pastorate. Lord, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why aren't you listening? Where are you in the midst of my troubles? I feel alone. I'm sinking. Where are you? Um, before you decide to cancel the vicar's installation and the institution um, and think, well, you, you know, better get rid of this heretical vicar, those, those are prayers I've lifted directly from the Psalms. Those are lines that God's people pray to God in Scripture, and they've been preserved in Scripture for us uh, to help us articulate and use God's word in prayer. It's okay to be honest with God in prayer and to say how we're really feeling, present our real requests, our real heart. And yet because they do so, so often framed by thanksgiving and trusting God, they often loop back in the midst of these heart cries. It often loops back to saying, but I trust in you. You are my sovereign God. You are good and your love will endure forever. Because they can be thankful and worshipful, they can be honest with God in prayer. When we are in God's presence, when we feel that peace that passes all understanding, we know we can leave our requests in God's hands because he's the God of the past, the present, and the future, and that he knows the end from the beginning. Um, instead of just asking God to calm the storms, he invites us to put our hands in his hand, and he will lead us through the storms. So let us be a people of prayer, because if we are a people of prayer, if we encourage each other to be a people of prayer, then we can also be a people who can find this peace that we so desperately need in our noisy, busy, and anxious world. We need to be this community of prayer. Let's become people who are just, we find it natural to ask for prayer, receive prayer, pray with, pray alongside, journey with people in prayer. Whether it's in ones, twos, threes, pastorates, as a church, as a whole town to pray. If we can be a people of prayer, then we're told by Paul, the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts, which gives us strength, and will guard our minds, which gives us clarity. And if we can have a mind filled with the peace of God, we'll be able to discern the best way forward. We will no longer feel frozen with fear. And if we can have a heart filled with the peace of God, then we can have the strength and the courage to press on and keep going and walk forward as we walk through our life with him. Let's pray together. And Lord, I'm very conscious that as I've been speaking about the peace that comes in our anxieties, that's something that probably many of us are facing right now. Maybe um, each of us in different ways are struggling with uh, different things that concern us and worry us, whether that's for ourselves or those we love. Um, and I just wanted to invite, if you're feeling uh, that says you really... Um, are wanting to experience more of that peace that passes all understanding. Perhaps you, you're recognizing that uh, you felt overwhelmed with anxiety recently or just exhausted by the uh, challenges of this time. Would you stand with me? I'm, 
I have to stand because I'm preaching, but I'm standing um, right now because I know that I need that peace that passes all understanding. Um, Would you just stand where you are and uh, we can just pray for this peace that comes whilst we can be a people of thankfulness. Lord, we just want to come to you and acknowledge where we felt anxious, where we may have felt despair, where we may have felt um, that our confidence and our faith and our trust is low. We may be overwhelmed by what we're facing right now or what we think might be coming in the future. And Lord, when we hear your voice, do not worry. You're not saying that those worries or anxieties or fears are sinful. It's simply, it's not the way you want us to be. It's not the way you want us to remain. You want us to bring those things to you in prayer. So Lord, I want to pray in this moment where we can just have that space that's difficult to find. Would you pour out your spirit afresh? You tell us that your spirit is a spirit of love, joy, and peace. Jesus, you said that your peace you'd leave with us. And so, Lord, we want to pray now by your Holy Spirit, would you pour out your peace afresh on us? And that may be a peace that just calms the storms. We welcome that where it's a peace that enables us to be lifted above the storms and to, and to float on the stormy waves. Lord, thank you, for your, thank you for your peace that comes within the midst of the storms of this world. Pour out your spirit, we pray. Amen.